0: Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Jim Kilbasso is the president of the IYCA, that is the International Youth Conditioning Association. He's also the director of the Total Performance Training Center, a former Division I strength coach, the author of multiple books and dozens of articles published in a variety of publications. The guy runs a successful NFL combine prep program. He is a consultant to programs like University of Michigan football and Kentucky basketball. He's trained thousands of athletes of all ages at all levels in just about every sport imaginable. But most importantly, this is a good guy who's got his priorities in line. We were pumped to meet Jim down in Austin, Texas at the Power Athletes Symposium this past year, and we've continued the conversation ever since. He has a very pragmatic, optimistic, and refreshing view of what strength and performance should look like, long-term athletic development, supporting the whole human through psychological and community means and he never puts the cart before the horse that is like we all know process has to come before product anyway you'll you'll find out pretty quickly this guy's got his stuff together he's got a lot of interesting things to say and we always enjoy talking to today's guest coach Jim Kilbasso
1: When you're talking about little kids or even high school age kids, who, I mean, most of them aren't going to go play big time sports, and most of them really aren't going to be professional athletes. Um, why are we Why are we making their lives more difficult, you know, by 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 not seeing that there's more to the sports than just winning or losing, especially when like it's one thing if you get all the way to the state championship and like you're you know, it's going to be, you know, there's intense intensity there and there's pressure, but you know, early on in the season or in the off season when you're lifting weights and running or, um, you're in the middle of the season, like kids don't remember losing games when they're older. Like, you you know, one of the questions you sent me was, um, you know, what are some of my favorite, uh, favorite memories you know from junior high school yeah, and yeah, high school yeah, U sports yeah you sports and it was really interesting to me because i sat there on my on my in, in a chair like thinking about it and i i was writing down all the experiences that i thought like well what i gotta pick you know mm-hmm. i gotta pick one because i don't want to talk about you know all of them and everything i wrote about had pretty much nothing to do with a, an actual game
0: yeah oh yeah that makes sense it was
1: all about like being on the bus with the boys Mm -hmm. and screwing around after practice or um, getting to practice early so we could, you know, do something that we wanted to do and, um, and, and hanging out with my friends, eating pizza after, you know, something. And every one of my best memories was stuff that had nothing to do with if we won or lost. And, um, and it really, that really hit me that like that, I don't think a lot of coaches, they don't get that, mm-hmm. especially young coaches. Um, I, I, I think a lot of a lot of younger coaches who haven't coached for a long time and don't have kids and or aren't in a school like seeing the kids every day where they know them beyond the sport, I think they miss a lot of that. They, they, they almost feel like, hey, I'm here to teach you how to play whatever and we're trying to win and if you don't want to win, like get out. But uh, while I get that, and I'm, you know, I've said those words before mm-hmm. myself. Uh, I also, I also realize that like, hey, there's there's way more to it than that. So you got to pull certain kids aside and and talk to them um, about what it is that they're there for, and you know, and how else you can use this process to enhance your life later on. And I I just I think that people are missing that all the time. So now getting back to your Yep. question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the same thing. I think that a lot of coaches who are actually interacting with the kids, like you said, they get off the train and tuck their tie in. Mm-hmm. They feel like, well, I'm here to teach kids how to hit a baseball. I'm here to, you know, we're here to, you know, to, to win the 11 year old uh, soccer tournament. Right. And they're not out there reading about Long-term athlete development, and they don't care what the other what the kids are doing outside of their sport because that's not their in their mind that's not their responsibility. So all this you know all the work that people like like Joey Eisenman are doing out there with with these workshops, um, the people that are showing up are awesome. You know right. there are a lot of phys ed teachers and youth coaches well or, or you know people that are doing it and they get it. It's all these other people that are the ones that are impacting the kids so much that they need to be there. So I think it's really important that we, you know, you and I and people that are doing kind of what we're doing, we go out there and we try to make coaching kids cool. You know, it's got to be 100 percent, you know, and and so so that's what I kind of took on. I was like, all right. (laughs) Now that I'm doing this, I realize like I've been coaching kids now my entire life, but everybody thinks that when I work with pro athletes or, you know, University of Kentucky basketball, you know, that's what I post about. That's what people right. think is cool. That's what's on my bio. When you read somebody's bio and it says, oh, he's worked with thousands of kids, mm-hmm. a lot of people look at that and right. they're like, well, you know, so yeah. what? So, you know, was, was
0: spoken of fondly at Thanksgiving dinner is not an Instagram bio. Yes.
1: Or or here's what really sucks. You know, a lot of times you see somebody's, uh, you know, on someone's, uh, Instagram bio, it says like dad. And I think most people look at that and they're like, whatever, you know, like, so like, that's kind of like, stop, you know, stop being personal about it. But like, that's, that's you know if you're a dad like that's your that's, that's your world. most important right, right. job like that should be the number one thing you put up there but mm-hmm. we all are trying to present this image you know to the world through social media that like well no no I'm I'm I'm, I'm more than that I'm a I'm a coach I'm a strength coach I'm a, i I'm a professional trainer it's like you know I, and I and I've done the same thing so I'm I'm as guilty sure, as sure. and because you're you're like you think you're supposed to be doing something you know?
0: That's right. Like, and, and I wonder where the balance is because um, I think you mentioned Joe Ehrman. We, we talk about the messenger. Uh, we hung out in Austin a little bit. I gave you a little bit of my, my bio. Psychology is kind of my thing. That's my, my niche, uh, what I'm most interested in and meeting people where they are, to take people that, where they want, need to be, that requires, like you said, like playing the game a little bit. You can't – if there's a 15-year-old who really needs your message. Putting dad first—that—that that might not, you know—that might be a barrier to him. I think it took a guy like Joe, who was just a indisputable badass NFL defensive lineman, uh, to to break open that conversation. I don't think um, I don't think a regular guy could have a regular Joe, pardon the uh, Joe, uh, could have could have opened up that conversation in a way that, that he could have. And when you when you talk about like make make coaching kids cool. That's the task. That's actually, and, and I, I, want, I want your feedback on this because I know we align on it, but that's one of the things that we do. Like, so Good Athlete Project, Coach for Kindness is our, is our handle. You could sort of easily be put into the bucket of soft coaching. Um, we have no interest in that, right? We're, we're, we're pragmatic. We are accurate. We say things directly. Sometimes that m- might bother you, student A. Yeah. Um, but, but honestly, on the other side of it, like, I, 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 sometimes I yell. Okay. And that's, that's just how it goes. And there are guys on our staff and you know, I don't think you're a demon. If you like to, if you like to drink beer on the weekends, I don't, you know, if you want to power lift and play and get intense and tap into the animal side of you, I don't think that makes you bad. Uh, but I think it takes voices like yours and, and, and the, um, and LTAD and like all the folks doing this work. Uh, I, I think it's up to us to sort of kind of nuzzle into the pockets of the population that need the message Um, And then kind of spread it from the inside out instead of the alternative, which is just broad scale, positive coaching, you know, without naming anything in particular, just like, hey, everyone be happy, be positive. I'm not sure that's the the message is getting to the people who need it most.
1: Yeah. And and. Like being positive all the time isn't what kids always need either. Right. You know, and and so like keeping it real with a kid and telling that kid what he or she needs to hear mm-hmm. because no one else is willing to do it like that to me is positive oh, yeah. but to totally. the kids that's not that's not taken very well i mean i i have those conversations with kids all the time i, I just did uh, you know yesterday and last week i had to have a couple conversations with kids where i i really felt Look, you know, I'm, I'm talking to myself in my head as I'm having a conversation thinking if I if I say too much to this kid, if I tell him too many of the things he needs to hear right now, he's going to close his ears mm-hmm. and he's not going to listen to me anymore. So I have to give him enough positive. You know, I have to say things to him like, listen, um, you know, I, if you if you're able to do you know, these things like you have an unlimited ceiling. Like you could be the best. I told this one kid, you could be one of the best athletes that's ever come through this school before if you stay on track. Yep. But you've got a lot of kids in your ear trying to pull you in different directions, trying to get you to screw around and trying to get you to show up late for class. And I can see it affecting you because you come in here late. Your shoes aren't tied. You're not prepared. You're talking while I'm talking. So you don't hear the directions. Mm-hmm. Then you don't know what's going on. Right. And then you try to make a joke out of it by not working hard. Because what if you do work hard and you're still not good enough? Then then what's that going to say right. about you as a, right. as a man? And I said, you've got to get through all that and know when to screw around with your friends, maybe in the hallway. But as soon as you walk through the door or into practice, then it's time to turn it on. Otherwise, you're going to leave this school in a couple years, and no one's going to know you. You're not going to be what you wanted to be. You're not going to live up to your potential, and all you're going to do is live with regret the rest of your life. Dude, so, it, yeah, Keep was that was was that a positive conversation? Um, I think so because right. because that kid needed to hear it, and now I can follow up with it. Did he take it as positive? You know, it's interesting. I don't think he wanted to, but when you're speaking the truth to a kid. They they have to be able to look around and think, dang, like maybe I maybe I should be doing that or what? This guy's noticing, you know, like, you know, at at, yeah. at, at some level,
0: mm-hmm.
1: kids start realizing that you know maybe somebody else out there does know something, and um,
0: and cares about them,
1: like and the care you're just
0: seeing and watching and caring, yeah,
1: yeah. Like I didn't have to do that. I could no. have I could have easily walked out after that training session and been like. You know, I'm out. Like these kids are jerks. Like I don't want to deal with it. You, you know, but but that's not helping the situation either. Yeah. And um and having having hard conversations is something that mm-hmm. I, I talk to people a lot about because um I I use I think having hard conversations is it sucks for a lot of people. It's really yeah. difficult. You know, but and I I used to approach it when I was a college coach with more. Um, more like anger and calling people out and getting in their faces. Um, I, I've realized a couple of things. One, you can't really do that anymore because mm-hmm. you get fired or people, you know, people videotape you and spread it, you know, and then you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, and two kids can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think as much anymore because they're, you know, they're looking for the softer way out more often. I'm not, you know, I don't want to sound old, but really what I realized is that, that That people don't hear it as well. Right. Especially younger kids, maybe an adult hears it a little bit more, but young kids. And when I say young, I'm talking about, you know, under college age. So 18 and below, um, they often, they don't hear it as well. If you're, if you're embarrassing them and you're blowing up in front of them. And I realized that with my own parenting, I mean, I I had to I had to do some serious um, work around myself and my parenting yeah. when my older two kids were young and I was losing it on them because I, I didn't feel like I had any control. I didn't know the, I didn't have the words to choose, you know, to make uh, to make a difference and to make them change their uh, their behavior. So I would just blow up thinking, well, i least that gets a reaction. It's almost like getting in a fight. Like, okay, well, that, that solved the problem. So now I'm just going to fight every time I have a problem. Right. Well, eventually that comes back to kick you, in, you know, in your own ass, and it mm-hmm. doesn't work. So it's um, it's much more difficult to be a good coach than it is to just yell at somebody. And uh, completely, that's and, that, it, it's hard to do. It's hard.
0: It is hard to do. It definitely is hard to do. And and so much of what you've touched on, I feel like, is out there in some narrative or others. So like, pe- there are coaches who would say like. No, there's there is no appropriate time to yell um I don't know I'm like I, I coach football primarily sometimes people are sixty yards away from me so there's an appropriate time to you know like just to throw your voice across the, the space um but all of this comes down to I think an analysis of a coaching toolbox like uh you know what is appropriate um and then a constant analysis of the environment with the intricate context of your relate existing relationship with a kid it's yes. that stuff is always. Churning and processing, and then whichever tool you take out of the box in the moment, like that. Hopefully, the longer you're in the game, and the more thoughtful you are, the more appropriate that would be. But just to say, like this, all kicked off because you know, just to be blatantly positive, everything's wonderful, everything's great, and and you're great. uh, I'm not sure that's effective. And and going back to the conversation you had with this uh, young person, you're. I think you're right because you're moving them in a positive direction. You don't. You can't always tell. That you're going in a positive direction, like for lack of or, or at the risk of a corny metaphor. Like, sometimes climbing a mountain sucks, you know what I mean? Sometimes you're exhausted, sometimes this is not what I want to be doing, and sometimes you gotta, you know, whatever, what's it called switchback. Sometimes you gotta go side, yeah. it doesn't feel like you're making progress, but you yeah. are going forward, you are climbing. Um, and that's an essential thing. I, I, I have to tap into a couple other things you said because this is becoming. More and more apparent in my life as a coach, and with with you know we work with we're lucky to work with a lot of folks now. But um, laughing off the laughing off the work, like the what you just set up in terms of show up a little late. Uh, shoes aren't tied, not prepared, not listening to the directions and then when they go into and then they don't know what they're supposed to do and they laugh it off as a joke. This, uh, this concept of not wanting to be a tryhard, that's a, that's a term that's thrown around. Yes, uh, Not wanting to be a tryhard, it's, it's just a defense mechanism. And, I, and I, if nothing else, I, I hope students will come to that recognition sooner. I hope coaches will find ways to get that into people. There's never, there's never been an elite athlete in the history of the world, probably not an elite human who had that concept running through their mind. Do you think Michael Jordan was concerned about people thinking he was like acting like a tryhard, um, you know, or, or any of your pistons to be, <laughs> to be fair. Like none of those guys cared, like, you know, Dennis Rodman okay, was not concerned. He was jumping into the stands after loose balls.
1: But maybe that's what's led to the attitude that seems to be so pervasive in some sports, especially like in the NBA that they don't want to try because they want to be cool. And yeah. um, I, I, I just had the same conversation about the try hard. Like when I was back in like the, you know, from the eighties and earlier, like the try hard was like the captain of the team. Yeah. For like sure. That was, that was the guy that like gets rewarded for his effort. Right. Right. Now right. kids want to like make fun of that guy because like, Oh, well, if you have to try that hard to be good, then you must not be good. Right. And right. I, 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 I really feel like coaches need to do a much better job of praising the effort from mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. so that so that kids are seeing positive uh, reinforcement um, socially. So if if you, me, and Alex are all you know working out and practicing, and Alex is busting his ass and we're not, like if the coach is constantly praising Alex for his his attitude and his effort mm-hmm. and ignoring ours eventually one of us is going to be like, well, I want some of that. Yeah. You know, like I, yeah, I want to yeah. get a little bit of that. And, um, and I think at an early age, people get too consumed, the coaches get too consumed with being good mm-hmm. versus working hard. Mm-hmm. And we don't praise the effort enough early on. We only praise the the result. So it, 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 what it ends up teaching kids is, well, as long as, if I'm good, I'm going to get the praise and I'm going to get, you know, I'm, I'm going to get what I, what I want, but trying hard is not necessarily going to get me that. And then if kids start, you know, making fun of the try hard, then they start taking that, you know, that, that starts taking on a negative connotation and it, that creates this whole attitude in, in Gosh, in kids' lives right now, that um, that you got to try to be cool, not and, and, you know, rather rather than trying to work really hard at something. And right. um, it, it's uh, it's kind of scary, to be honest with you, to watch my own kids go through that kind of right. uh, kind of that situation.
0: Yeah, it's tough, and it, it and it's understandable. I think everyone. I wanted to be cool when I was a kid. For yeah, school. but but the uh, the measure the feedback that we're getting that we're giving kids I think I think the phone has changed a lot um, yes because you can you can get feedback in other ways you're not necessarily as reliant on the the powerful mentors in athletics that you once were let me also throw this out there as a as a maybe like high school athlete goes on to college does X Y or Z comes back to coach his or her high school team. Um, and is celebrated. It's like, thank goodness so-and-so came home or whatever. There's no chance that that narrative feels complete if at the end of the first couple years, so-and-so, you know, athlete, uh, former athlete turned coach says like, well, Hey, check out the grades our kids got and look at how hard they've been working. You, like you're measured in results. And that's true. And I'll tell you that, um, I don't know, man, we might be talking about something even more systematic than, um, just the like just the kid and the coach because that is true we've we've seen places and some very near here in Chicago where you've had coaches they'll have like a 10-win season and their 10-win season goes to then they only win 7 games next year and people are calling for their jobs you know just yeah. and, and it's just loudmouth in the community it's it's not like the yes. administration of the school or anything like that um, yeah. but that that too is a very natural probably advanced level of the same pressure these kids are going through it's just yeah. it's just peer pressure. It's some some loudmouth who is uh, who's challenging your work.
1: Yeah. You know, what? and what's really what's really too bad about that is we don't ask the kids often enough what their experience was like. Hmm. And if they're enjoying the sport because I would rather at a high school, especially at like the freshman and JV levels, mm-hmm. I would rather lose like most of our games and have the kids just loving the yes. sport, and they just can't wait to come back for next year. Then to win all the games, and the kids leave thinking like, "I don't even think I'm going to play next year, right?" Because this sucked, right? Uh, and there's got to be a balance. I, I, I don't think sports are fun if you're never winning, and that, and people have to mean. understand that. Like, people always say like, "If you had fun, then you already won." Well. Yeah, kind of. But if you didn't, if you're not at least competitive and mm-hmm. sometimes can win, it does take the fun out of it. So having the right level of competition for kids and for teams is really important because mm-hmm. you know you you could really turn off a, a lot of kids by just by putting them in um, situations where they're just gonna get their you know their mm-hmm. asses kicked every single game. Like that's not fun. No. But uh, but getting back to what I was saying, I, I would rather you know, have the kids have a good, a good, and uh, experience with sports right. and win some games. Because do you know who won? You know, like even in your area, yeah. like do you know who won, like the Class B lacrosse title last year? You know, in the state, maybe uh, you do because you're like super into it. But I, like, I you know. Do you, you, know, do you just... know who won in in Indiana? No, do you know who won in Michigan? Do you know? Do you know anybody, you know, like that did well in another state or even outside of your, you know, your area? And you're as plugged in as maybe anybody in your area to what's going on in sports. So for coaches to think like, oh, this is super important. Well, in the grand scheme of things, like what's important is. The process, and did the, what did the kids get out of this? And did you do it the right way? And can they look back? And can those kids that won the state championship look back and say that was an amazing experience? Yeah, I'm so glad I went through it. No doubt. You know, and I and I I've been part of uh a, a, part of a football program at one of the high schools around here, and I think the coach is just phenomenal, and mm-hmm. he does a lot more than just coach football um, for the kids, and. Even when the kids lose and they've lost, uh, we've lost two state championships since I've been part of the program. Yeah. And those kids, like, I think they really still look back and they're like, that was awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. And, and that to me means a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's, that, that's really cool.
0: There's There's no doubt. That that's true, and, and framing that I think is the obligation of the coach. If you, if you can only if there's only one outcome that matters, um, the whole opportunity, the millions upon millions of people participating, the opportunity's been squandered if that's yeah. the only outcome that matters. Um, yeah. In fact, I and that it's it's funny like you said with successful teams like that. We will I'm gonna brag about our kids for a second. We just won a, we just won something, so we're getting rings, and we are even in that case we are very clear to say look this is a this is a token this is like the cherry on top of this whole thing this is not an end in itself I hope you you know keep this on a shelf somewhere and and it reminds you of the process it reminds you of all the time you guys spent together and and the moments that you went through all the training that went into it so that yeah. you can have actually or metaphorically more of these sorts of successes in your life if you yeah. are you know if you're the the varsity blues caricature and you ring around to you know the, the, everything uh, and you think that that's it um, you'll find that that's a pretty shallow version of whatever it might be that's not success in any real yeah
1: way. Um, you know it's, it just it just hit me that you know we should reframe some of the awards that we give kids to at some of these mm-hmm. banquets yep. because um, usually, they give the MVP award, you know, or some version of it to the best kid on the team. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the, the kid could have a crap attitude, whatever it is, you know, like that's yeah. uh, we're going to give it to them. And then when you get to awards, like um, best effort or most improved player, one of my kids one year got most improved player. And I, I was super proud of him. I was yeah. like, you really did improve a ton Amazing. this year. Yeah. And he, he came home. He's like, yeah, that's embarrassing. Oh jeez. And I was like, what are you talking about embarrassing? Like you've only been playing for a couple of years. Like you made a huge, you made huge strides. And he said, most improved player is basically saying like you suck.
0: Hmm.
1: And I was like, whoa, that's yeah. how, that's how kids are viewing this like now. And, um, it, it's not celebrated maybe like right. it should be. Um, and I, I, as a coach, I'm always focused on improvements. Cause that's how we can, that's how we can really, that's m- it you know uh control you know like here's where you started and here's where you ended like that's what it's all about like i if you came into me an amazing athlete and i do nothing you're still going to leave as an amazing athlete like that we didn't really grow there you know you just happen to be good and and that doesn't mean anything you know that doesn't mean i get anything really um so i don't know maybe we need to reframe those things and and make it more celebrated, like you were talking about the tryhard. There needs to be a different word for try. You know, yeah. it need you know, like it needs to be like the animal or something. The animal you word.
0: Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. ferocious average, something. Like, yeah,
1: this kid works his butt off, and that's and we think that that's the best thing here.
0: And that's the best thing here. And I would say for any coaches who are considering incorporating this, I've been a part of a team that did that, uh, but more, but it was almost it felt a little. It felt a little false to be fair yeah. Um, yeah. I think what could certainly happen in a situation like that is for a most improved player award maybe maybe uh, there has to be multiple maybe there's like it's these are our three most improved guys and I think the coaches understanding what the messaging and the behaviors and the feedback should look like is maybe your MVP also gets one of those you know what I mean hypothetically just because just like we started this with the recognition that that to be cool to um, you, you've, just, you've just got to meet them there, I think. So maybe it's yeah. the kid who wasn't playing and all of a sudden he's on every special team and made massive strides. And then it's him right next to the MVP quarterback who's playing both ways and, and, you know, and made jumps uh, to put those guys on the same pedestal and acknowledge the, the really important part, which is it was the growth that made mm-hmm. these two guys special, not enough yeah. touchdowns necessarily. That yeah. feels like something that people could take away.
1: Well, and I, I think as, uh, as strength and conditioning coaches, yeah. we need to do a better job of focusing on that too, because I think a lot of times we, we value, or we attach ourselves to the result, but not not the improvement, but the result. So you've got, um, you know, like, you've got you've got coaches will say like, oh, I, you know, I trained, you know, five kids who ran four 440s four this year yeah,
0: yeah
1: okay well if they all came in running four fours like yeah great you know like
0: your marketing plan worked or whatever yeah it was. That's exactly your, your coaching didn't necessarily work. yeah
1: you yeah. recruited the right kids to come train with you mm-hmm. but if but if i have a kid who comes you know if i see somebody that's like hey this kid came in running a four eight and yeah. he ran a four five you know six weeks later it's like Whoa, what did you do? Like, that's yeah. impressive to me. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't get rewarded because people are like four or five. Well, that's not as good as the four fours I've trained. Yeah. You know, well, that's right. You didn't really do that. That That's just what kids were able to do coming in. And it's the same thing with sports is, you know, and, and, and social media. We like to attach ourselves with, you know, who's successful, mm-hmm. not who got better. Yes. You know, and yeah. uh, and I just think that that's, you know, that's just pervasive right yeah, now. It I'm is. Just, it is. Our-
0: totally. I I, I got to share a story with you because you just hit something. It's such a raw nerve for me. We've got this, uh, we've got a very large strength and conditioning program. We, we were a thousand plus at, at Nutri high school every year. Um, and that's, that's before the work we do with the good athlete project. So we are lucky to be, awesome. have an influence on a number of kids. It's a big, yeah. Yeah, the school itself is 4,100 students. So it's a, oh, it's man. a big, yeah. big place. Um, and we uh, and there's some local gyms around who, when we first started this, I think were a little upset that there was something that we were going to be giving the kids that, that you know they could no longer charge for. One of those local gyms has gone the way of look, and they are legitimately good people. They've been like, hey, let's chat every now and then, figure out what you all are doing in your strength program. We're happy to supplement it and provide it. They all played sports. They're like, we know we don't want to take them away from their time. their team like that's that's really important so we love these guys and we bring them in we got morning speed sessions where we have a bunch of kids come in we bring them in for help and members of their staff love it that's cool then there's this other gym who is just it's all sizzle there's probably some steak they know what they're doing but but mostly sizzle and they had um it's funny you mentioned claiming these athletes we have a kid right now who is a wonderful kid humble hard-working from um, a fairly blue-collar family of good people, he just happens to be about six six um, and has scholarship offers from everywhere: Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa. Um, LSU's been drooling over him. Nebraska just offered the other day. Everywhere. Uh, he's a sophomore, by the way. He's—I mean—he's—he's he's the number wow. two recruit in Illinois right now. Football. Football player, big offensive lineman, and and a great kid. Uh, and he went to he went to two sessions with these with these. Other folks, the other version, two sessions, and it, he only went to. Um, they, they got live pass rushing drills, so they they recruit some of the best guys, and they and great, wonderful. Yeah, he got his scholarship offer after two sessions. They they're doing all the retweet game. They retweet hashtag. Just just laying claim to the guy that they've seen twice. Sorry, you can blur that out if you <laughs> whatever. I don't care. But. That's what I said. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. But it's like, and let me just, I didn't say, I didn't mention this part. He went twice the second time he, that he hurt himself. He, they, he rolled his ankle on one of these things. So like, uh, they didn't sessions. put that on there, did they? What's that? They didn't, they didn't, they they didn't
1: have to, they didn't have a picture of him like in the training room, uh, and say, hashtag, you know, <laughs>
0: exactly. Purple ankle. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's capitalism to a point, I suppose but um so so uh Brett Bartholomew
1: and I were having do you guys know Brett mm-hmm. um we we have these conversations quite a bit about how um and there and there's somebody that's there's somebody that's running for office right now that's on about this too and I can't remember who it is right now but it's it's basically about having capitalism with a conscience
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and how capitalism is good yeah. um it, as long as you're doing it the right way. And I think in our profession, we've gotten beaten down into thinking like, well, you can't charge for that. Why are you, why are you even charging for that? We should be doing everything for free and we should be giving everything away. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll see people who are out there like trying to make a living and that somebody wants to ask you a question like, Hey Jim, can you, uh, can you come, can you write me up a program like for free? well, I, I I can't because um, I've got this guy and this guy and this person and this girl and then I have mm-hmm. to go home and do this and I have to do that like so like I I don't have time to just like do everything for free for everyone right. like I'm also trying to make a living no nowhere else would you get that like you wouldn't ever walk into a restaurant and be like like hey can I get uh, can I get those you know that that breakfast for free today be- yeah. you know why are you charging like I can yeah. cook my own breakfast yeah but I'm just coming in here like to you know because this is where i want to eat today so why would you be charging like no one would ever think about that doesn't happen or 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 any other profession for that map like i can't think of anything where people would just assume they'd get it for free but in our profession you do get that a lot where um people are trying to do the right thing they're they're producing whatever content or they're providing a service and people like want to poo poo them for trying to make a living and for Mm -hmm. trying to do something um, that's good for kids as long as you're doing it in the right way Mm -hmm. and you can see that there's like kind of the two I'm just using these as an example because I don't know them at all you've got these two different attitudes in the places that you were talking about you've got one that's like you can just tell like they're just trying to make money Mm
0: -hmm. there's
1: another one that's they're trying to make money, but they're trying to do the right thing too. Without a doubt. And it's, um, it's very different to Mm -hmm. me. Um, and I, I really, I really wish that people in our profession would be able to take a step back though and look at it as that rather than, rather than like always liking and, you know, and promoting the people who are just trying to make money. Um, like we, we need to value people who are trying to do it the right way. Yeah. And it's just, it's not valued. Kind of like try hard is not valued.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You're right because like, uh, and this is probably just through my filter, but like if I had a kid who needed, who I wanted to get extra training for, I there's I would have a way easier time writing a check to these guys I trust. You know what yeah. I mean? So like uh, like to build that, I think probably does have a fin- financial back end. But, yeah. um, I, but I'm not sure, like you said, I'm not sure people see it enough. And I hear Brett, we had him on the podcast as well. He's a, seems like a wonderful guy, Yeah. But, I, I, but you hear his frustrations come across every once in a while and the stuff he puts out there. Yes. He's just doing it as a scale, at a scale that we're not. So, um, I guess well, he gets,
1: he gets blasted all the I'm time sure, for, man. you know, I'm for sure. putting like, Oh, why, why, you know, why are you charging for stuff? And he laughs. He's like, I just put up you know, whatever, $30,000 of my own money to have this videotaped and produced. Like I have to at least make my money back. Like why am right. I supposed to go into debt, you know, every day you, because, right. uh, I'm supposed to put stuff out. I mean, it, you know what it's it is? I, I
0: think it's uh, the you mentioned where else I maybe, maybe teaching. And here's why I think, I think because it's, there's this combination of things. Um, it's kind of fun to do and it's, it's mostly people with good hearts. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I think, uh, I think that is probably where people take advantage of it, right? It's, um, isn't this, aren't you supposed to be putting good into the world? Yes, but it's also my skill and my craft, and I think I'm getting pretty damn good at it, so I need to be compensated so I can keep the lights on. Um, And that's
1: that's why the teaching profession is really struggling right now. There's a huge, massive shortage of teachers because they have been not compensated properly for so long that- People now are looking at their career paths, and they're thinking, if I'm going to spend $100,000 on college to go out and get a $20,000 job, maybe I need to rethink what I'm doing here, and fewer and fewer people want to be teachers, and I think that's sad, because teachers make a huge impact on kids' lives, especially, like, really good teachers. It's like having a good coach. Um, But if you're not going to compensate good people for doing a, a job that's important, then eventually, like... People are going to move in a different direction and we get fewer good people influencing our kids.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And, and it is um, – it's, it's, I'm amazed at how blind people might be to the last stronghold for any sort of systematic change we have and that's the school system. Like we've yeah. got everyone for a long time at the most important time in their lives developmentally and why wouldn't we invest everything into that? financially yeah. and otherwise like that is how do you how do you um uh improve outcomes long term in terms of obesity and self certain self-imposed diseases and health issues how do you get in front of crime and and all these different things well get to the kid when he or she is seven yeah or 13 or at these instrumental times in their lives it, it's it's a it's a I'm getting heated, and I almost said another curse word. So, yeah, welcome. <laughs> we don't have to edit this out. But it's but it's unbelievable. My sister is one of the best people I know. I, I mean that. I, and I'm I'm biased, but she's absolutely incredible. Um, she almost had to get out of teaching at one point. She's lucky that she got a job that that now pays the bills, and her husband works and all that stuff. But she was in, in this rock and hard place situation where she was. In a place that she loved, with kids that she loved, and essentially said, "Are you know? Uh, do you care enough to do this work, this really meaningful work? Um, if the answer is yes, then here's the compensation we will give you, knowing that you cannot live off of this. Yeah. You know, if you're if you are not married, and and that's another thing. And I don't want to go down the whole systematic rationale for this necessarily, but um, I, we've for a long time, especially in America, we relied on like stay-at-home moms to do that kind of stuff. Education, there's this uh, sort of, it's a, it's a joke, but it's meant to be sort of tongue in cheek the worst thing to happen to the education system was equal rights uh, or moving toward equal rights because we're not fully there for women in the workplace. And, and that is sort of, it's meant to be provocative, but it's like, holy cow, once the business world recognized that women were not below men and started hiring female CEOs and, and all this stuff, then it wasn't like, TV, you know what we used to have was someone of CEO caliber running a school. And what an incredible yeah. thing that was. Now now um, there are more and more still work to be done, but more and more opportunities provided to women. And we are essentially, I'm, I got to pick my words carefully here, but we're not necessarily always left with the cream of the crop. And um, I would accept pushback on that because I've been lucky, like you, to have been in a ton of schools. And there are some people who are incredibly devoted. And there are some people who are passively moving through a career waiting for retirement.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what you're kind of trying to say is that our current educational system is not uh, is not able because of the compensation is not able to recruit the cream of the crop.
0: That's it, and I and I, um, and and I hope no one is uh, turned off by that. But it's just, but it's just the truth.
1: It's well, the truth. I still think that the the people that are in the education system are the cream of the crop. Those are just people that are willing. Are more willing to do that work for lower compensation than right. what they could make elsewhere. Fair enough. Um, so to me, they're almost like better than, you know, than anybody else because they're there for like the good, the mm-hmm. best reasons possible. Right. You know, like they're not there just to make money. But those people, you know, it's, they should be they should be properly compensated. They Should be move.
0: compensated. And, and I wonder what that person looks like to build on your point because I think it's exactly right. I wonder how good could that person then be though. At fifty three, with 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 no savings and in massive debt, you know I, it, we put these people in compromised positions. So you might start with they're incredibly loyal and motivated. Yeah. but if we don't support them along the way, what then?
1: I, I can't believe uh, I got you to start talking about politics. This is I'm great. Sorry, dude. <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
0: oh man, uh, yeah, we usually try to uh, avoid things like that, but. Um, I mean, Chicago public school system, dude. I mean, there are concerns.
1: Yeah, and and I don't think we have the answers. We no. just know that, like, hey, I, I at least I believe that coaches and teachers can have a huge impact on kids' lives. And to me, like, I I wish that they could be compensated because yeah. something else that I've been talking about for a while now is that if you look back to pretty much anybody that's in sports, think of your your own, yourself um, too. Your very first coach, so the first coach that you ever encountered, was probably the least qualified coach right. you'll ever have in your life. So we're introducing kids to sports with, you know, theoretically, the, the least qualified person ever, you know, in, in that person's career. Because the best coaches want to get moved up. They want to get paid. They want to, you know, work with, you know, older athletes and, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, it's too bad we can't flip that upside down and have the best coaches working with, or at least the right coaches working with kids that are younger to develop them, because um, it would make everything easier down the road. And and I don't think that the best coach for pro athletes is the best coach for little kids. That's fair. Yeah. You know, like you have to have the right coach at the right time. I don't want my ten-year-old to be coached by Bill Belichick right now. Mm-hmm. I just, it's not, it's not appropriate. Um, nor would he, you know, like want the, you know, the, you know, the opposite. But, um, it, you know, we do, we do have to find the right coaches for the right, for the right uh, situations. I
0: I totally agree. What What would you, if you had to project? and Maybe you are doing this stuff already, but. What, what is sort of like the minimum set of qualifications you can imagine for someone like that? Because I don't mean to demean the, the guy coming from work, tucking his tie and going to the baseball field. Not at all. Like you mentioned, like the teacher thing, there's loyalty there. There's, there's great intentions there. Yeah. Um, But they probably don't have, they probably can't go earn a master's degree. They probably can't do a, an eight month coaching certification. What do you think minimum viable product might look like there?
1: Well, so that's funny because we've gone around and around about producing some sort of a minimal viable product and how it's got to be very easy to access the, um, the, the roadblocks we're running into. And, um, I'll back up by saying we are one of the only places where there is no requirement for that. Like if you go to Canada, um, Mm -hmm. can't, in Canada, you cannot coach a kid without going through a course. Right. And the course is a live course. Like, you have to attend a, a, a workshop. And I've brought that up to people here. And it's like you get laughed at. Yeah. They're like, are you kidding me? You're not going to get all these people to get in a classroom for a day. And who's going to teach it? And, you know, and all these, you know, they, they throw up all these, like why like, why we shouldn't be doing this. But then I look at some of the experiences that kids have in sports and I think, I don't know, like I would almost rather like make it harder to get into coaching mm-hmm. and have more good experiences than to make it easy and have all these kids have crap experiences yeah. and and uh, then they do what, uh, they, all they do is what, you know, when they get older, what they learned. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that... I think that eventually um, things are going to have to change at uh, like at a higher level, like there's going to be politics involved. Somebody's got to, somebody's going to come, has to come down from somewhere above us and say, you know what you have to, if you're going to coach, you have to at least go through this, you know, half an hour course. And um, it, it, what's going to be interesting is to see, Okay, well, now what course do we pick? Right. You know, for right. everybody.
0: Essentials, right.
1: And who's going to pay for this? And how are we going to put it together? And how's it going to be distributed? Um, again, you start running into all these obstacles, but mm-hmm. um, that's something that I am kind of passionate about. I just don't, I, I don't, I, it's going to be a lot of work <laughs> to it's
0: gonna make It's going to be a lot happen. of work. That's fair. I, I have some ideas on that too. And I wonder if maybe that's a discussion for another time. Yeah. Um, but to identify some, Some sort of anchor concepts, like if we only get through knowing this, wouldn't we be a a little bit better off? And then could you track and prove outcomes for those coaches comparatively? You know, could you literally could we produce like a a a peer-reviewed journal article on the actual difference between this sort of messaging and control group A, who's just doing however they do it, and slowly build um, backing in order to then take it to sort of the administrative and maybe the policy level um that's probably the trajectory it would require work it would require um yeah require a lot of work but probably pretty (laughs) valuable and i i am under the assumption that someone's going to do it eventually and um why not us there you go there you go there you go and and i say us like that's not i'm not being in you know this is not in a silo why not folks like us yeah 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 so, right, um, so I think I hijacked
1: your podcast here because um, I don't know if you've asked me any of these questions. And I
0: love, Not yet. That's okay, dude.
1: And we're already like way into this and I don't know how long you want this episode to even be.
0: I, I'm thinking if someone could just spend a full day with us, uh, that would be... We can, we can solve the world. We, we probably World's could. Um, yeah. No, I, the, the hijacking is wonderful. I love this. I think um, we want people to feel like they can... Uh, join in these conversations with us. So this is this is pure and it's real, and um, people are probably having very similar thoughts. They they just might not um, have the language for it. So I hope uh, I hope this will be a service to some. You want this?
2: Let's do it. Let's get it. Lightning round time. The lightning round. We're gonna start with what we in the business call a callback. Mm. Fondest youth sports memory.
1: But how fast do I hit? So this, since you this is late, you
2: don't have weeks. to go fast. I'm gonna try and go fast, but I I frequently, as the listeners will know, am the reason that it slows down. So don't worry about you know, don't worry about your speed.
1: Um. All right. So I I kind of touched on this during the the rest of the interview, but I thought of, I was trying to think about my fondest memories, and I was writing them all down of like what I which one I would pick, and it hit me that every single one of them had nothing to do with an actual game. It was stuff like all of the bus rides with my soccer team and messing around before basketball practice and after basketball practice and the the funny practical jokes that we would play on each other and having uh having my basketball team over to do nerf hoop tournaments you know in my living room um it, it, all these things were like things that had nothing to do with the actual Sport I was playing, but it was it was basically the bonding and the social aspect that though that those are my fondest memories.
2: What is the biggest professional challenge that you have faced, and uh, what did you learn from that?
1: Um, opening up a training center in a, a sports performance training center in two thousand two, before people really knew what strength and conditioning and sports performance was was incredibly challenging because we were doing a ton of education we we're just we we're trying to get out there and teach people what the heck we were doing and it, it really taught me some lessons that I'm that hopefully are carrying out in other areas now about how you know I, I saw that go from you know from let's teach people what we're talking about to now we're teaching people why we're, we're the best option. And I I can see in some of the other things that I'm trying to do, like with the ICA, IYCA and long-term athlete development and and being good coaches, like we're, we're at the beginning of that now. And there's going to be a point down the road that um, if we do the things we need to do, that we won't be, we won't have to be explaining what long-term athlete development is anymore. It'll just be a matter of, you know, what's the best way to do it? And, you know, and, and what's the next thing we can work on. So it, it's kind of taught me that you just, we just have to have a little bit of patience when we educate people.
2: What would constitute a successful day for you?
1: Um, I thought about that too. And I guess it depends on what I'm doing that day. And it made me realize that's something that I love about my current situation is that every day is a little different. Um, I feel like if I if I've done something to move the needle of our profession forward somehow, then um, then that was a successful day. And sometimes that takes the form of of coaching kids and, you know, and making a direct uh, impact on them. Sometimes it's about. Um, I need to produce some, some sort of content, you know, video or written. Um, sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's helping my staff get through something. Um, other times it's maybe selling something, you know, and, and it has something to do with, um, the business side of things. So as long as I feel like I'm at the end of the day, like moving the needle in the right direction for our profession and for what I'm trying to do, then I feel like it was a successful day.
2: In our minds, a kind coach is a coach who's able to display that toughness and display that kindness um, to their athletes. And I was wondering if there was a coach in your life who stuck out uh, as, as displaying those qualities.
1: So I um, there's actually a coach that I work with, and his name is Dan McClain. He's a football coach. He's also an athletic director. He's also a, a, a father, um, and he's at Detroit Country Day High School, and the way he the way he is able to see kids for more than just what they're able to do on the field for him Um, and then take take uh, an interesting group of kids where there's always a couple exceptional athletes and then there's a bunch of kids who don't have very much um, experience playing football at all or have never played or don't even play sports and he's able to integrate them into not only the culture, but they get out there on the football field. I've seen him help kids go from being almost non-athletes to playing, playing football in college Mm. um, because he sees something in them, develops them, puts them in the right positions. He's constantly switching people to different positions and different roles because something's just not working. He does a whole leadership course, for kids, who anybody that wants to go through it, um, he, he just he he has some great speeches. He's very passionate about coaching and about football, but he also gets that the kids are kids and um, and talks to them about more than just football. I I, I just love listening to his speeches um, and and watching the way he has helped so many kids throughout the year. So that's my guy, Dan McLean.
2: What is your favorite book and your favorite movie, unrelated to the field?
1: Um, so (laughs) my, my favorite, you know, I've had a bunch of favorite books. Um, one that I'm reading right now is called the one thing and it's just, it's a great book. It kind of keeps you focused on what's really important, um, to you and and to your life. But, um, my favorite movies, I, I like that, you know, this is completely unrelated to the field because Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and Airplane are two of the funniest movies that I could watch over and over again. And my favorite non funny movie is Platoon, um, about the Vietnam War. And I think that's just like one of those classic movies that I could I could watch over and over again. I like I like that I can see and hear you kind of smiling when you bring up my Python and the Holy Grail and Airplane because anybody that's watched those remembers certain parts or lines from those movies that you just you just can't not not laugh about, so uh, it's they, funny. it changed you know, culture. Yeah. It did. It really That's did. True.
2: I made I made my good friends in college watch Airplane because they had never seen it before, and I'm pretty sure they it it turned. I was laughing so hard at the movie that they like couldn't even hear what was going on, and it just became them laughing at me, laughing at the movie. I and mean, I I love it as well. So. Yeah. Yes. Um, we we talked a little bit earlier about. Uh, this idea about maybe like the the try hard not being as cool and rewarding effort Um, who's a professional player in your mind who sticks out as kind of like the the role model that we should be pushing kids towards
1: a professional athlete yeah okay well here's a great story and I I share this with a lot of kids Um, so do you guys remember Kyle Vanden Bosch uh, he played professional football for a long time. Yeah, yeah I remember that big, big bald white guy that wore the red contacts. Um, was known as just being like a like a complete badass. Um, when he was brought into the Detroit Lions, they had just kind of tried to recover from their 0 16 season, and I can't remember the exact years, but um, and they they the coach had coached Kyle in uh, Tennessee. With the Titans, and brought him in, signed him to a multi-year deal. And on the very first day of practice, um, this is now being told by guys that were already on the team. Um, on the very first day of practice, he—I'm going to try to make it shorter too. He was just flying around, running all the way up and down the field on every single play, finishing every play like running, you know, running 80 yards downfield to like smack the guy with the ball because he had to finish every single play. And guys on the field thought you know they all talked and they're like okay show's over like this is his first day he made his point you're a badass well the next day he did the same thing every single play running all over the place just relentless after a few days of that cliff Averill, who went on and won super bowl and played for the uh seahawks he was he was the opposite d end on on the defensive line and he was he said to me he's like well wow. i kept watching him running all over the place and i thought well, I'm not going to look bad. Like, so mm-hmm. I'm going to start doing it too. Cause I got to keep up with this guy if he's going to be playing my same position on the other side. So he started running all over the place. Well, then the, the rest of the D line started running all over the place. And within a few days, like, then the linebackers were like, well, we're not going to look bad. We're going to practice this hard. And then the defensive backs were like, well, we're going to, we're not going to let them, you know, get all the, uh, all the attention, like, and, and make us look lazy. And um, the moral of the story is that one person can actually influence an entire culture if they're willing to do that kind of work. And not only in that story is it Kyle who's willing to have that work ethic, because his work ethic is crazy. I've never seen anybody with a motor like that that is willing to just every day do more than everybody else and people can't keep up with him. but I thought that that in that story, Cliff Averill was also instrumental because it takes a pretty big person to realize when somebody is doing something that should be followed and that, Hey, you know what? Like that guy's not showing me up. He's showing me the way. And I, I I need to now do that. And that was kind of like that second person that like kind of got the ball rolling. And, um, it, I just he's he's a great example both of them are great examples of really really good people but who also are willing to you know to work their asses off and, and do what it takes to be a great a great professional
2: I, I I love that quote too. not showing me up but showing me the way I think that's such a great idea um, I just
1: I just made that up by the way cool. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to quote that and tweet it I
2: think it's, it's gotta <laughs> be a meme of some kind there we go yeah I like it it's an original um Alright, last one. You are a leader in this field and I was wondering what advice you would give to a future leader who is hoping to embark on a similar journey.
1: Don't do what's just easy and what's, what's right there in front of you. Figure out what it is that's important to you and that's important for other people and then then figure out a way that you can move towards that goal in a way that um, you can do with integrity and that you enjoy doing, and that that's part of you. Um, because it, it, if you pick the easy way, um, that's going to get boring. And if you pick a way or pick a route that doesn't, you know, doesn't allow you to do it with integrity, eventually you're going to want to give that up. Also, so um, try to do things in a way that you know you can look back at. Um, and and be comfortable uh, telling your kids that that's what you did and that you made a difference.
2: Awesome, nailed it. End of the lightning round. Success. Um, I didn't get
1: to. I didn't get to tell you that Depeche Mode uh, was my first uh, concert that I went to.
2: Can I ask you a quick
0: question? I'm going to interject. What was the first concert you went to?
1: <laughs> oh, I went to a Depeche Mode 101 concert, and I think it was 1987 or 1988.
0: Jeez. That was when they were at their peak. Oh, peak. That's amazing. <laughs> Did you? Uh, what do you wear to a Depeche Mode concert?
1: Uh, a black t-shirt and jean shorts. And I think I probably had some like work boots on because it seemed to, to, to add to the, to the total look. Oh, I
0: love
2: it. Steel toe? Uh, steel.
1: I believe they're black steel toe work boots. <laughs> it's,
2: it's perfect.
0: And
1: you've it been is following
2: perfect. them around the country ever since.
1: Yep.
0: And is that the first perfect score on a lightning round? I think so. I'm like, 100%. <laughs> Noted. I, I really mean this when I say this there's no fluff about it like what you're doing is incredibly valuable we are happy to know you I think that was a fortuitous meet up in Austin and um, yeah, I, we just need more I, I think you have the potential like like Kyle on the Lions to be one, like a, a catalyst right and then uh, I, you know I think that's how environments change is if you've, you've got someone showing the way and then maybe it takes some I don't know. Maybe it's a John Wellborn. Maybe it's a who knows. But uh, a general like Cliff to be like, okay, folks, like we can we can follow these people. Like it's okay. That's not going to hurt our reputation or whatever. And once that starts to build, critical mass is not too far behind. So thank you for all the work you're doing, man. And thanks for spending time with us today.
1: Thank you too. I feel the same way about like when we met there. As soon as you guys started talking about what you're doing, I was like, I need to get to know these people. So. Yeah, I'm excited.
0: This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen, and feel free to check out their website for more. It's remindrecover.com. And when you go there, if you want, Want to place an order and I recommend it use the code good for a discount on checkout.